Hello again. Thank you for joining the conversation. To explore the topic of identities linked to physical appearance, I invited two confident, beautiful ladies who present their hair very differently. I am keen to understand what their journey has been like and what they think their hair says about them, not to others, but to themselves. Chidi Maldesanya joined me from Australia. She works in the corporate world. She used to live in the UK and work in the corporate world here. But she's also the entrepreneur, owner, and design genius behind Zuli Kids. So check her out. Um, I also had with me Dinatio Choli. She lives in London. She also works in the corporate world and is a very famous musician. You can search for her under Dinachi Onuzo. Um, check her out on YouTube and Instagram. Great work on there. Both ladies are movers and shakers in their world. They present beautifully, but very differently. I wonder what the internal voice is like that drives their choices. Due to COVID-19, we couldn't meet in a fully kitted out studio. So the recording is done on our iPhones, but I couldn't let COVID steal the opportunity. There are some sound issues, I must warn you, but please be patient because the content is excellent. Listen. Hi, this is Worthies by Bucky. Thank you for joining us. This is our very first episode. I've got Dinachi and Chidema here to join us to tell us what they think about the hidden thing, the poem I wrote. So thank you for joining us, Chidema and Dinachi. Um, I've invited you here because you wear your hair very differently. And I'm interested to find out um, the stories you've told yourself that determine how you wear your hair and how you present to yourself on a daily basis. So to kick us off, Chidima, because you're in Australia and it's getting quite late out there, um, just give us a brief outline on what your story has been and perhaps how it was influenced by your childhood. Um, thank you, Bukhe, for inviting me on your very first episode. I'm glad to be here. Um, it's interesting that talking about hair and my hair journey because it's been um, <laughs> it's been one that I've had very um, it's I don't know how best to say, but it's it's one thing that is kind of a thing for me um, because as a growing up, like I used to have conversations with myself, like if God was to change something about me, like if uh, he had to remake me and say, what would you like me to change? It was my hair. And as a child, I remember um, my mom taking us, uh, myself and my three sisters to have our hair uh, made every Sunday. And it was from either one salon or some woman in the neighborhood or, you know, it was just one thing or the other. And it was just not a pleasant experience because some of them were gentle, some of them were not. And I just didn't like it. And growing up um, as a teenager, I remember when I was about 13, um, my mom decided to cut my hair. And to be honest, it was a real relief for me because it meant I didn't have to go through that ordeal every Sunday. Um, so I actually did like wearing my hair short. It didn't fit me very much. I probably looked like a boy. <laughs> it was anything. I could give anything for not doing that every single Sunday. And then when I started growing my hair, um, probably in my late teens, as a 17 or so year old, you know, I just found it easier to just do the perm. So I had relaxer on my hair and it was just easy to comb it through. And but because I wouldn't let my hair right like get the full growth properly, I would relax it again and again and again and again. So my hair got really weak and that wasn't really healthy anymore. And therefore I always found 
options than, than that came when, when the weave came along. And then I started having kids after I got married and just going to the salon and being there all day long for um, my hair to be braided. It was just too much trouble. And there came in um, lace frontal wigs because I hated the sight of the normal wigs we saw growing up. And lace frontal was just brilliant because, well, people would tell that you're wearing a wig. So it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was just the fact that it just looked better and it just it was just easier and so that has been my life for the last probably better part seven years or eight years now i haven't been to the salon i have always worn my lace weeks <laughs> so yeah wow thank you for sharing that with us and um, this is a great point for dinachi to jump in because i don't think i've ever known dinachi without natural hair um, you're one of the very first people, quite young, to rock your natural hair before natural hair became a movement, a whole uh, community movement. And obviously, your life has changed. You went from the corporate sector. You're now a musician. You're a mom. You're a wife. So it'll be really great to hear what your journey has been as well and um, how you've had to reaffirm your story to yourself to, to retain the image that you now have. Thank you, Buki. Thank you for having me on here on your first episode of your podcast. And uh, yeah, it's really um, very grateful to be on here. And, and thank you, Shidima, for, for sharing your story as well. Um, it, was, it was quite moving for me, actually, listening to some of the things that you were saying. And I think some parts broke my heart and some parts I, I sort of laughed and smiled to myself because there, there are so many similarities. Um, also growing up in Nigeria and, you know, having my hair done by other people um, not my parents or not my mom. Probably about 10, 10, 11 years ago, just, um, just after, just when I was finishing university, um, my sister, my younger sister had the year before she had, um, basically she had braids in and she, um, at the end of the life of the braids, she literally just snipped off the braids at the root and decided that she was going natural. <laughs> it's a very bold, bold move. <laughs> and like I, I guess there was for me like there was no precedent for it then. I mean, like it was there was no precedent for it. Um, and I had got to a point, so I guess backtracking a little bit. Um, I my hair was relaxed, actually different from me to them. very young. My my, I, I don't really remember my natural hair as a child, but I remember like lots of crying and people just saying, "Ah, her hair is really strong or really hard and like you know difficult to manage." Da 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 da. Um, and it, it, I mean, my hair was, I think it was long when it was natural, but it was just, I just remembered it was a thing that you know, my mom couldn't deal with the crying, and so she relaxed my hair quite young. I was probably five or six. Um, wow. And actually, just recently, I found out that my older sister had her hair relaxed at 10. And I was like, why? Why Why did they relax hers later and mine so early? And, and she was like, <laughs> well, mommy was tired by the time she had you. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so, yeah, my hair was relaxed quite young. I, I didn't remember what my actual natural hair was like. And, and to be fair, I think my hair... Um, withstood relaxer quite well. We didn't have it because it was young. Didn't I, I? Wouldn't relax it often. Maybe three, four months. Every three, four months, and like during the holidays, sort of thing. And my hair, sort of, I think my hair texture resisted the relaxer. Like, so it didn't. It never damaged my hair as such. I mean, you'd have the burns every now and then. Um, and I was actually quite happy with my hair 
in general, my relaxed hair, it grew. I guess I haven't really looked back since then. Um, but yeah, there's sort of all the ups and downs of like taking care of it and like, you know, figuring out how to actually take care of it properly. Like, I mean, I've had issues with, you know, my, I think part of the reason why my hair resisted relaxer is because it's just so strong for want of a better word. I actually have issues with people calling our hair strong and stubborn and difficult to manage and all of that. And I think I, I'm processing through all of that and, and trying to understand my hair better. I think that's where I am now, trying to understand my hair better, how to take care of it and and love it for what God has given me because there is a reason why my hair is like this and I'm, I'm trying to learn how to appreciate it and, and love it for it for what it is. And that's me. Oh wow. 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 That is, I mean, I, I share the same kind of hair childhood journey with both of you. So I guess it's probably very something that most Nigerian children um, experience going to a lady down the road who puts your head in her lap. <laughs> I mean, when you said um, that, my experience fish smells. Is a shared experience. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bonding experience. You know what? It's- so, um, and, and I, I think it's... Um, really interesting that we have this shared experience from childhood how our own mothers um, influence our understanding and relationship because they're the first person, people that tell us they cannot do our hair, they cannot manage mm-hmm. the hair. Um, and obviously, maybe we're, internal, inter, maybe we're internal, internalizing that, maybe I internalize that, I don't know, but very similar to you. I mean, I never transitioned between um, relaxed hair and loose afro hair. I went straight from a relaxer to locks. And the only reason why I did locks was because I'd had, I used to, I never used to have weave. I used to have um, kinky twist extensions. And when I was getting married, I wanted to have a specific hairstyle. And it was a weave that they needed to use to do the hairstyle. So come our honeymoon now, I had this weave down my back, which I didn't know how to manage. And it was shedding everywhere. Like there were trails <laughs> of this hair as I moved from room to room. It was beautiful and it made me feel sexy, but the hair was everywhere. And Danny just said, you know what? I can't live with this. Like all this hair everywhere. I can't do this. You know, I'm, we're hoovering this hair everywhere. You need to stop. Like, he was the one that was just like, this is unnatural. That was basically what happened. And he was like, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll go back to Kinky Twist. And he said, oh, no, if you're going to do Kinky Twist, you might as well do locks. And what was what changed within me was that somebody wanted to see me. Because usually when you have your hair out and you take your braids out or whatever it is, people are keen to know when you're going to do your hair. It's like, oh, when are you doing your hair? You know, nobody wants to. It's an unkept look to have that, you know, in-between stage between taking out your braids and having new, a new hairstyle in. And I was just really moved by the fact that he wasn't put off. Even when I took out my braids and I'd be looking all manners of not cute in my own mind, he wasn't affected by it. And I was just really, really moved by that. And um, I guess I started, the point is that I was able to love myself because he wanted to love me, me mm. naturally. I don't think that's a healthy place to start, but that was how mm-hmm. I started anyway. Um, my trans- my own transition to locks, um, but I've I've never had that loose managing hair thing, and I'm only having that with my daughter now. 
um, the whole thing up. And I, I'm trying not to say, oh, you know, this is a challenging mm. thing to do because I don't, I'm not very successful all the time, but I don't want her to internalize her hair as something that is, um, that is challenging. Okay. So no, thank you. This is so great. I'm going to like just rush into the next question about um, how you move around, especially you today in your own house. So this is quite a personal question because it's, it's a question I've always wondered. You have a wig. Um, do you feel better about it, about yourself in that frame? Or are you, is it, a, is it an accessory for um, you? I, I, I haven't really looked as hair as something that makes me, feel, me personally feel better or worse off about myself. It's not, it's not, mm. for me, it's not related, unless I'm probably wrong, but I've never viewed it as being directly related to my image of how I feel about myself. Um, like I said earlier, it's been, for me, it's totally been of um, the flexibility as well as the, just the convenience. So it's, it's been a convenience solution for me and I generally growing up I've always wanted to present nicely not not because of um, anyone coming to my house or me going anywhere else I've always it's of my um, parents my mom and dad owned a fashion um, studio they were fashion designers and therefore my fall into the fashion thing Therefore, even when we were at home, mm. we always dressed nicely. <laughs> so growing so I'm now used to it. Like people will come to my house. I'm not going anywhere, but I take my bath in the morning. I put on my wig, <laughs> put on my makeup. I dress well, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm not seeing anyone. I'm not, it's just who I am. Right? However, so my mm. general routine, right? If we say it all here is in the morning, I take my back, obviously, I haven't got any weave on or any wig on or whatever. I've literally got my with a sleep with a scarf, just habit. Uh, yeah, and then I go around the house like that. And so I take my bath and whether I'm going anywhere, whether I'm seeing anyone, whatever is happening, doesn't matter. I put on my and I put mm. on my makeup and wear my clothes and all that. And I sit like that all and then come back in the evening, I have a shower, take off oil, the condiments, and I'm back to my natural state. <laughs> so, but it's never been, and I don't know, maybe this would, maybe as I start to process this in the days coming, try and, try and see where my thoughts process is. But as far as I know, it's never been something connected to, like, how I like myself. It's not the perception of what, how I feel. Like I don't look at myself in the mirror without being and say, oh, you're an ugly child or I never do that, right? Mm. So it's nothing to do with that. However, if we the perspective of other when I had this conversation with Buki um, earlier, I started to think about it. Like, though this hair thing started as a convenience for me. However, being in England and then now being in Australia, that maybe I just blend in a bit more. Obviously, my skin tone still sounds stands out clearly, and nobody ever asked me to black, and I say no, I'm not black, <laughs> right? So 
Um, but basically, maybe I just blend in a bit more. I've never really, but it's not, it's, it's a means to an end. It's not, I have, I didn't start putting on the wig because I wanted to blend in. It was the other way around. I stepped yeah. in on the wig, irrespective of whoever. And then, you know, being in this, um, I mean. Oh, wow. That's really, really interesting. Because when I stand in the mirror, I, there is, I'm very, very conscious. I think transitioning to locks because there was quite a huge reaction from when I went from relaxed to locks within, um, like the, I, I don't, well, we're not talking about the Nigerian community, you know, by other people, you know, the people who had a lot to say about it. So I think I'm very, very conscious when I look in the mirror about who I see and why I have my hair. It's almost like I'm saying to myself, you are, you know, you are independent, you are strong, you don't need the affirmation of anybody. This is the sort of person you are. So there is a, there's a feedback I'm giving myself when I look in the mirror and it's, and I see that transposing to other things in my life. So I guess part of my hair is, I won't call it a defiance, but an affirmation that I'm, I can do whatever I want and I'm comfortable with that. Now, should this be the case? I don't know, but I'm, I'm very, very conscious about the story that I'm telling and that I am reinforcing that story when I stare at my reflection. What, what, what is the situation with you, Dinachi? Um, it's an interesting one. It's not one that I necessarily think about very often. Um, but I do think that as black women, maybe I'm projecting a little, but this is just, you know, sort of talking off the cuff here. But um, I think that as black women, whether whether um, intentionally, intentionally or not, I feel like the way people perceive us, they perceive our hair as some sort of statement, whether we want whether we want to or not. It's just, I feel like our hair is just so innately politicized, if that makes any sense, whether mm-hmm. you want it to be like that or not. Um, I think personally, um, in terms of like how I see it, whether I see my hair as part of my identity, I suppose to some extent I do. Um, and I want, I feel like, um, I, I'll give one example. Um, I remember when I, when I was applying for a job, I went for a job interview and I was very intentional about, um, how I wore my hair that day. Um, and like wearing, I, I had it like in a big afro, like on top of my head. And I, I did it intentionally. I mean, I could very easily have just done two two braids on the side and like packed it away and it would have sort of like blended in, in, you know, whatever. But like I was very intentional in having it out like that because I wanted these people to know that this is this is me. This is you. And, <laughs> and that's right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my hair not every time. In fact, when I actually started at that job, I ha- actually had blown out my hair and I had it in two corners. But like I'm like, this is me. I wear my hair like this somehow, uh, sometimes, and you should be fine with it and you should be okay with it. And let me, and I'm like almost daring you to not give me this job because of my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I mean, maybe that's probably a little bit like extra, but like, I think for me, I think it's important for us to feel, or it was important for me to feel comfortable and not to feel judged by my hair. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's just one example. Wow, I'm 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 just I'm moved by the individual experiences I'm hearing and how much um, and how relatable 
they are and how different they are in certain respects as well. So I'm just going to wrap up now with just your final thoughts about um, identity and and just thinking back to the poem. Um, there's a there's a line at the end that I was really really unsure of, where um, she says, you know, this is me, Queen unveiled, and part of me was like I really felt. Um, conflicted about writing that because you know there's almost like do I need to be in a position where I have to call myself you know psych myself up as royalty or queen and things like that like I think there's almost a thing where there's almost too much effort it's almost like we're making this thing a big thing where it should just be a natural thing so I just wonder whether or not like what your views are on identity and whether you know we're all make whether this should be a big deal um or actually not we should just kind of flow with our lives and um, make our own choices Tima, do you want to go first or should i yeah so i think who, who it depends on how it affects the human being so let me before i give my final thoughts Right. Let me give a, a, a different perspective. I, I just um, came up a few weeks ago. So I used to have a colleague in um, Pok Pok, my last role in um, the UK. And this lady, we were colleagues and she, was, she used to feel like literally opposite me. And she's um, Jamaican. Always known her with a wig or whatever on. And, but I just assumed it was just the same story of wanting some old option flexible way of doing your hair and whatever i've never given i've never given it a thought and then a couple of weeks ago i saw a post from her book and on linkedin about having a sort of um condition i can't remember what it's called so basically she's no hair like she's bald mm. and alopecia yeah maybe that's what it is i, I have no idea so it was a thing right and so basically she's bald like she has no hair at all and her, she, her mm. posts on Facebook and, and LinkedIn, and she's posted subsequently was about her self-esteem being, she, she's worn weaves and wigs all her life um, to hide that condition and the fact that she, and she was unveiling it. So she was taking that wig off and she was saying that she's going to be bold and it doesn't matter what anyone feels it is who she is and just being vulnerable like that and i think one other post another time was something about old a name somebody like attacked her one day and called her a name relating to the fact that she didn't have any hair and i get on it because for some people right it is a big deal it is a big deal for someone mm. like me it is not a big it's never been as a matter of fact this is the first time i'm having a conversation with anyone about hair and festive and how it because because i've never like when i when i talked earlier about the, when i was thinking about oh if god had to remain would he change about me and it was hair and and i looked at it from the perspective more of the fact that you know the people with straighter hair wavy curly hair they didn't have to do half all the maintenance i had to do Hair. literally they would tumble out of bed put their hands through the hair straighten it and it's all good and they pack it in a knot and off they go and it, that was how i always perceived it and then um my son i've got 
two sons and my little son, he's five, came to me one day and asked me why his hair cannot be, you know, how he wanted me to hair like his friend. Mm-hmm. And I said, your hair cannot style, darling. <laughs> and he could wow. Wow. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, your hair cannot style. This is all you've got, darling. And he, he had this very puzzled look on his face like, hey, why can't my hair style? <laughs> you know, so, and, and I think it depends on who it is. And, and, and it's a big deal. And maybe we should be talking about it more because apparently a lot of people, either the perception of other people, we are or who we are as individuals and how we perceive ourselves in, in respect of our hair. And I think referring the, on the poem, God didn't make a mistake. Like it, he could have given us any type of hair. He could have given us black skin and rich. <laughs> he could have given us black skin and long, but he chose not to. Instead, he gave us hair that bows to no man in Bookie's words, right? And mm-hmm. and that and I think that's a good thing, and that's a sign of probably who we are as individuals, and the strong, steely character that God has put inside of us. Just maybe, if I find out how to deal with my hair and the damage in my hair and all that, just maybe I might be able to let loose of this wig thing and take my hair. I don't know, but because I've never connected it with self-image. You know, it's never been a biggie for me, but I think it is a biggie. I think it's a biggie for people out there. And I, the conversations need to go on and the conversations need to be deep and the conversations need to be vulnerable because there are many Americans and, and black Americans and all with our kind of hair that are self-esteem definition of from how their hair looks. And I think that's wrong. We are who we are, irrespective the hair color is what what the tech is we are who god has made us to be and we can only define ourselves by how we choose to do so oh wow Uh, thank you for that did i um, final thoughts yeah i mean there was so much packed in there to (laughs) do when you said about how um you wished your hair was easier to to, you wished uh, please help me um, when I talked about um, I think how fishing, the convenience of how dealing with the hair, right? Yes, and and like sort of comparing with people from other um, cultures and how their hair is easier to handle and all of that. And I've actually been looking at at, at into um, you know this sort of relative the effort that we put into our hair, and I think it actually is a myth that Afro hair is. Um, takes longer or all of that. I mean, maybe you might say, yes, it's more difficult to comb through and stuff. Yes, I would agree. But in terms of actual the amount of effort and time, there's, it's actually quite similar. Um, I, I, I read a post on um, some article from a few years ago about how long um, British women spend on average. And when they say British, they are talking about white British women spend on average on their hair. And it was something like seven days. And I, and I did the maths on like comparing it, like how long I would spend on my hair and, and other people. And it's similar, if not, it, yeah. I mean, yes, in, in terms of the concentrated amount of time that we'll spend in one sitting is longer. But if you're, you know, washing your hair every two weeks and whatever you like, it's, it's similar to a white person that's washing their hair daily, blow drying maybe daily. 
and, and styling. That All of that process alone can take half an hour to 40 minutes every day that I don't spend on my hair. I literally get up and go every day. And yes, I put in the effort every two weeks, but that lasts me for two weeks, sometimes three weeks if I'm feeling lazy. So I think it's a myth that our hair is more difficult to handle. That was one. Um, and then I think going back to the question that you asked, um, Buki, about like if it's necessary for us to dig ourselves up and, you know, make ourselves feel better. I, I think I would argue that there is an imbalance or there is a historical imbalance. And so, yes, we, 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 we do need to make ourselves feel like, yes, we are queens. Our hair is beautiful and we need to emphasize that because for, for so long, we've been told that our hair is not good enough and is, is not worthy. Um, and I think, um, to address that imbalance, it's important for us to see our hair and acknowledge that this is beautiful. And as you said, Chidima, this is what God has made us, how God has made us. And it's not a mistake. And, and I love, I love that. I love, I love what you said. And I think, I think it is important for us to acknowledge that we are crowned beautifully and we are queens. And, so yeah, my final thoughts. <laughs> Virtual warriors cloak behind black keyboards. Go dark spirits of rage, death, destruction. Heightened echo chambers of a small minority. Feign the pain of the brave in the name of injustice. Too used to their gain, embolden the hate, incite and disdain for the progress we've made with our blood and our sweat and some nightmares address. They belittle our right and demand a blood fight with deafening chants and battle war cries. The earth is charged. Striker, match, pilot, high, set it all alight. Burn it all to the ground through the dead of the night. Heed the call of our anger. Warlords must arise. Seek a willing participant with an axe in one hand to sever the mind while emotions run high. We tremble afraid of death sentence proclaimed. Unseen juries denounce us, cast judgments as Persians. How do we debate hollow avatars drunken hate? Truth set, without test, no discourse, no depth. Or reason with fresh minds who present an alternative line. Instead, they mock our authenticity and pour scorn on known credibility. Just because we don't agree on the truth you say, you see, without discourse. But that is why... This is called around the world a democracy. The earth is charred. Strike a match, pilot high, set it all alight. Burn it all to the ground through the dead of the night. Heed the call of our anger, warlords are aroused. Seek a willing participant with an axe in one hand to carve out our hearts as emotions take charge. Not a cost to your soul, but mine, the very integrity I own. Fair is a tweet away from being cancelled and named defamed as an ally to the evil revealed by the sun suggests it's the immigrant, the refugee, the unemployed, no, the LGBT are the ones to be blamed for Lily's poor school grades. Hold the outsider accountable as we build the bonfire. So I do understand. The earth is charged. Strike a match, pile it high, set it all alight. Burn it all to the ground through the dead of the night. Hear the call of great thunder, warlords must arise. Seek a willing ally with a cloth in one hand to stifle young cries lest we all change our minds. Where are the leaders elected? 
the elders with wisdom. You await the angered population to decide for the next generation. What is our responsibility in this crisis of identity, where a child with a laptop is stronger than any atomic weapon, or a bot with no heart usurps true passions of the abandoned to stare a global agenda? As you fight for your right, keep sight of the why. Let the match you strike as the light in the dark burn bright with intention. Bring life, heal hearts, mend paths, build home, lift minds, engage the brain, all parts, the hippocampus, not just the cerebellum. Convert knives, axes, swords, guns into schools, hospitals, roads, shops and churches, mosques, maybe clubs for our sons and daughters to be born as we protest. Instruct the world yet to come for your sake and mine and hers and his and those we don't see, but love because we believe in a being, a God or perhaps just men like me who depend on us to be more than just angry. Evolve from warriors and soldiers to leaders, presidents, kings, prime ministers and queens plan strategically for equality and love as we march in unison to the beat of the earth in our hearts anger it is the thing that crawls on scene snares at me and whistles in the wind on it until it wraps and traps and beguiles the unwise lighting the match setting it all on fire anger we see you Anger, we feel you. Anger, we know you. You are the frozen ice that cracks in the dark beneath the feet of an unguided child. Use anger right. Hello again. Thank you for joining Wedbeat by Bookie. I'm so excited to share this new poem. The mood is fire. It is the third in the series of identity poems. But this time exploring politics and identity. The main questions I'm asking myself and I hope sparks conversation are how do I as an individual respond to injustice? What does progress look like? What does engagement look like? How do I use my voice effectively and keep control of my voice? 2020 has been such a dynamic year and in many ways a sad year actually it definitely has brought out a range of emotions i started the poem and it originally was called anger three years ago as i tried to explore my own emotions as i navigated through some issues in my personal life but it never quite really crystallized 2020, though, has brought all of that back to the surface. This year alone, at the start of the year, we had the plane that was shot down by the Iranian government, the Australian forest fires, NSARS movement only recently in Nigeria, which led to the deaths of an unknown number of people, but definitely um, injuring lots and lots of people. We've had the Black Lives Movement that has resonated all around the world in response to the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and many other black people, unarmed black people. Only yesterday there was a shooting in a school in Pakistan. These are only a few incidents that have happened this year. And... The world has responded. 
people have responded in ways that I, I guess, I've imagined, but at the same time, I've been really empowered and surprised by. How could I forget COVID nineteen? We've been living in it so long; it's beginning to feel like normal. But there have been anti. Lockdown movements, protest rather, as well. So this poem is looking at a dialogue between what could possibly be two different people, exploring how we respond, how I, as an individual, the person, should respond, or maybe it's one person who is navigating a range of emotions, a range of possible positions. Either way, I hope it sparks conversation. I'll be taking this a bit further in my podcast with my family, which I'm so excited to share with you as well. I hope you enjoy the poem, but more importantly, I hope you engage that it sparks conversations in your own home with your own friends, reflection within your own self. And please, please share with me. Thank you.